the vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrick Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. You might be listening live here in the Seattle area on 1150 AM KKNW, or perhaps anywhere around the world on TransformationTalkRadio.com, or perhaps on Facebook Live on my professional page or on TTR's professional page. But wherever and whenever you're joining us from today, we're grateful to have you here. And, you know, I, I know we ended up having some buffer of commercials. We were, we were um, searching for our guest and want to make sure we had him in alignment here with us because it's a wonderful, important show. But, um, but you've just been inundated with this concept of the vibration of change. And I'm kind of glad you, you are because we talk about it every single week in the intro, in the commercials you hear about it. And I've taught a class called the vibration change multiple times. And today on the Academy of Divine Knowledge, it's the launch date for the introduction to the vibration of change that I have taught. And it is um, a, an, a presentation that you can have access to if you get a subscription to the Academy of Divine Knowledge, which is filled with wonderful teachers. Um, I'm, I'm really honored to be amongst them. And when we talk about the vibration of change, we kind of know it when we feel it, like we're, we're in alignment, things are moving forward, things seem to be magically manifesting. Um, but how do we get there? In this, I'm talking about how um, I used to be confused about how we manifest change in that I had healed myself of cancer. And I talk a little bit about how I went about that years ago. And I thought, I've got, I've Got it. You know, I know I've cracked the code about manifestation. And then fast forward a number of years, uh, the first big healing I saw in my healing practice when I became a healer was somebody who didn't believe in the work, who, um, you know, and I, I wasn't sure that I could do it. You know, I wasn't sure that I believed in it. And so in, in one case, I thought the conscious manifestation techniques rely so heavily on belief, right? And yet this healing had absolutely nothing to do with belief. What was it that unifies it? And at one point I downloaded this, this, I get with this big aha, uh -huh, um, what the unifying factor is, not only for all healing, but for all positive change. And that's how the vibration of change was born. And so at, up here on the Academy of Divine Knowledge, you're gonna have access to um, you know 45 minute introduction, uh, a presentation that I've only done in front of live audiences before, where you'll learn what that magical sweet spot is. And there's just one simple question you can ask yourself about that can determine whether you're greasing the wheels of positive change or keeping yourself stuck. So if you're interested in creating positive change, either at, on an individual level and whatever it is you're trying to create in your life or on a collective level, which is so important right now, we're getting into this with our, our guest in a minute, um, I encourage you to follow that link. And I know it's on the Facebook Live at, at this point as well. And it's on the homepage of my website. Okay. Enough of that, because I'm really excited to have our guest here today. You know, there's this wonderful new film out um, about um, the history of Gary David, and I had never heard this before. And it's this fascinating documentary that is both informative and inspiring, and it talks about creating global change in a unique way. And our guest today is the producer, producer of the film, Arthur Kanigas. I hope that I'm pronouncing his name right. If not, he'll correct me in a moment here. He's the president of Future Wave Incorporated, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to shifting our culture from a culture of violence to culture of peace. He is the director and producer of this new film called The World is My Country. And we're going to talk in detail about that, which is about the amazing adventures of this you know, this man I just mentioned, Gary David, 
world citizen number one. And we're going to learn what that is in a minute. And uh, prior to produce, producing feature-length documentaries, he produced the award-winning short film of the same subject, one, the Gary Davis story, and wrote an award-winning screenplay for a narrative feature as well. Um, he's produced War Without Winners, which was narrated by Paul Newman. And he's, he also did research for the 1983 TV special. It was a, a series um, called The Day After. And I don't know if you were watching TV back then, I think the whole world was watching, at least all of the United States. It was, it was a big thing. Anyway, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Arthur Kanigas. And please tell me if I'm pronouncing your name right or not, Arthur. You know, Christine, we're actually still tracking him down. Um, oh, so, I thought you said you'd reached him. Oh, yeah, I think we got him on the phone and he has the Zoom link. So I'm going to check in with Jessica and see where we're at with that. Okay, so I've just introduced him and he's not here. <laughs> anyway, so let's go back to the vibration of change because I want to I talk to you a little bit more about that. You know, I've taught classes on conscious manifestation techniques. and And if you're listening to this show, if you're on these stations, if you're following me on Facebook, you're probably well aware of some of the conscious manifestation techniques, such as the, um, you know, the, the approach with uh, a vision board, you know, you, you post up all these things that you want to create, or perhaps affirmations where you're stating what it is you want as though it's in the here and now. And with visualization that you can do within the context of meditation, Years ago, when, when I was facing cancer, when doctors didn't have anything to offer me at the early stages of this, which is sort of an unusual thing, um, I learned how to meditate and I learned about visualization. And with conscious visualization techniques, you know, you're, you're visualizing what it is you want to create. And it's, it's a sort of thing where you, you may think in terms of lots of details and, um, you know, one of the things I've learned along the way is that you're much better off if you can sort of state on a high level what it is you want to create instead of saying, oh, this is the detail. Like, let's say you're trying to manifest a new mate and you decide, oh, well, I, I, I want him to be at least this tall and have this color eyes and, you know, do this for work or whatever. Or you're trying to, to manifest, say, a particular job and 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 you think you know what job you want. And so it's like that job, that job at this number of dollars when the universe might have something far better to offer you. So one of the things I've learned is that it's, it's helpful to get a higher level perspective and say, all right, well, you know, this is, this is the way I want to feel in a relationship. And this is the, the kind of person, the values I want this person to have, or this is the way I want to feel, feel when I go about my, my daily life at work. Um, and this is the ease I want to have with financial abundance, the flow of my and, and abundance within the context of my lifestyle, which may mean that you're going to get a totally different job, a totally different uh, amount of, of, of dollars, um, and perhaps, you know, a different mate, you know, who's a little shorter and has different color eyes, whatever. So the conscious manifestation techniques are very helpful. And hey, Christine, and, I just want to yes. jump in here real quick and let you know that we've got Arthur here in the middle. Okay, great, great. <laughs> I'm going to finish up this thought. Perfect. And so sometimes when we have come up with this concept of what it is we want to create, and we're, we're doing a really good job with the manifestation techniques, but we're not bringing to us what it is we truly want that's connected with our heart, that's connected with our, our deepest desires, our soul desires, we think we might be doing something wrong. And we often think in terms of, I must not be in alignment with that particular thing that I want to manifest, or I've done something wrong with the manifestation techniques. And I have to tell you, there's often something different from both of those things that has nothing to do with the manifestation techniques that determine whether you're getting what you want to manifest or not. And that is what I call the vibration of change. So again, it's up on the Academy of Divine Knowledge launching today. If you go to, if you register for that and you, you have access to all the different teachers, if you go to the top of my content or um, all content, I think is what it is, you'll find your way to the top of that is the vibration of change introduction. Okay, 
again, you know, I've already introduced our guest when I thought he was here. And um, I'm really excited because speaking of creating positive change and being in that vibration of change, I want to have this conversation about how we create this global change of into peace. And Arthur, um, I, I first of all want to know if I'm pronouncing your name last name correctly. Is it Canigas? Can you can you correct yes, me here? Arthur Arthur Canigas. Canigas. Okay, I got it wrong. And I'm so thrilled to hear you talking about conscious manifestation and and how do we want to feel in the world? And so often we focus on that. Uh, on the individual level, as we of course should, every one of us has our individual lives. But what do we want to manifest as a planet? What do we want to manifest with our fellow human beings in the world? And, you know, uh, uh, years ago, I was working, I, I worked on a film called The Day After, uh, about the devastating oh. effects of nuclear war. And I was the nuclear war researcher, I was going over to the Pentagon and researching what would the bomb damage effects be, you know, uh, at ground zero, you know, one mile away, different places, so they could build the set. I'd have to fax the information out. It was before before we had the internet. And they would build the sets based on this research. And I began to have nuclear war nightmares. You know, I found myself, uh, you wake up from the nightmare and you couldn't shake it. It wasn't like there weren't really monsters under the bed because there really were. And it was a really deep, devastating, primordial fear. And it was not just the fear, you know, maybe I'll be killed or my family will be killed or, you know, even all the people around me. But all life, all history, all art, all the incredible things that in nature and the animal species and the animal, dogs and cats, all that incinerated for in this insanity. And it was just like a deep primordial fear so great that it began to immobilize me. And, and I have to tell you, as a as somebody who watched that that series on TV, I think all of America was watching. It was it, it had incredibly high ratings. I think we all had people, those nightmares. A hundred million people in the U.S., two hundred million in the Soviet Union. I think you know uh, uh, Ronald Reagan credits it with. Uh, uh, making him, he, before he saw that, he said he was really believing his generals when they were telling him, you know, you can fight and win a nuclear war, we can beat the Soviets, you know, and he was, they were egging him on. And he said, after that, no way. And he had to start strategic arms limitation talks. So that film did play an important role. But here it is, 75 years after the bomb, and we're still living under that nuclear threat. And when you check, check this back to conscious manifestation, um, after we showed that film, uh, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward came into my office. I, I also produced a spot with Paul Newman that ran immediately before the day after, I mean, immediately after the day after. It's called The Minute After the Day After. And he said, you know, it doesn't have to be, be the end. Uh, he talked, he, he touted a nuclear war prevention kit we had created. And it had all the different ways to lobby Congress and, uh, and help to cut the nuclear spending and so on. And yet we see that nuclear spending is going on like crazy. We see that uh, uh, a whole new generation of nuclear weapons coming out and then other threats to the very existence in terms of climate change of life on Earth. And what happened is that after, uh, after we had the day after out and it didn't stop the arms race, it, you know, it made a dent, but things were still bad. I was meditating in Quaker meeting and I was began to settle back into that question of, you know, uh, if, if what we visualize creates what we want, uh, what is it we need to visualize? And I thought back to uh, a song that we would sing as uh, kids in, 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 in Quaker school and uh, in uh, first day school. And it went, there's an ocean of darkness and I drowned in the night till I came through the darkness to the ocean of light and the light is forever and the light makes us free. I will dwell in the glory of the light, said he. Walk in the light wherever you may be. It's the George Fox song and, and it's sort of the founder of Quakerism. And, you know, I realized that at the exact same time that there's this 
overwhelming depth of darkness, you know, the ending to the end of humanity, and 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 the deeper you look into it, first strike policies, uh, the radiation burns, the victims already killed by nuclear tests, the deeper and deeper you go, the more you can just drown in that ocean of darkness. And then you start looking at global warming and you look at the pandemic and the accidental escape of from the lab that's you know, devastated people. And you can just drown in that darkness. And then, you know, in that bulletin of the atomic scientists, which revealed that they say humanity stands 100 seconds from, you know, from 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 a termination, a midnight of termination of life on Earth. And at the same time, darkness, there's an ocean of light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say that statistic again um, about how many seconds from midnight? The, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which was started by the scientists who had helped create the nuclear bomb, started way back in, in, in 1945 or 7. And every year they talk about how close we are to extinction. And we were seven minutes away. Now we're 100 seconds away from extinction of life on Earth. And what is the answer to run around and panic? <laughs> well, actually, it turns out that that panic immobilizes us. And it was immobilizing me. And when I thought back to that George Fox song, I said, you know, simultaneously with that ocean of darkness, there is an incredible ocean of light all over the world. People are reaching out to help other people. People are loving their families. There's flowers blooming. There's the ocean waves coming in. There's 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 animal. You know, we see all these YouTubes of animals that are supposed to hate each other, all learning how to love each other. And, you know, and, and we're yeah. seeing just so much manifestation of an incredible uh, coming together of humanity, uh, you know, the whole network of the web where we're coming together and creating almost like a global brain and interactive newer neuro network of the planet. And, and we see such incredible, amazing things going on. And, you know, and then I started thinking, well, okay, I can dwell in that dark ocean of darkness and I can drown and I can be immobilized or I can just make a conscious choice. I'm going to choose to dwell in that ocean of light. Now, you know, I'll tell you what I figured. Well, if it turns out I'm wrong and we dwell in the ocean of light and we visualize it, well, there'll be no one left to say, I told you so, so I can't <laughs> lose. <laughs> so, and if we do that, then I think there's a glimmer of hope that we can actually save humanity. If we can escape from that ocean of darkness and we can dwell and live and visualize how we create the, create a world that works if I could create movies that would take kids each week and say there's a Netflix series where, or, or, or a program like Star Trek or others, but where, you know, each week you dwell in visualizing a future that works, where humanity's come together, where humanity's created this people-powered planet, where, where we can start creating a vision, not uh, of all the horror. I mean, you go around and you look at the movies that were deluged with day after day. It's like one after another of devastating destructive views of the future a future that's just horrendous that no one would want to live in and kids are living in that and dwelling in it and playing the games and playing all the computer games killing and murdering and maim maiming each other and and then we wonder if our visions create a reality and that's the visions that we're feeding our society and then we start wondering well wh why aren't we able to, to fix this and get to a get onto a positive plane we have to say a key part of it is that we're visualizing the wrong thing folks we've got to start envisioning the world we want we've got to start dwelling in it and living in it and feeling it just like you were talking about we've got to be in that in that conscious manifestation we've got to be feeling sensing we are in that incredible positive future where we the people are coming together as a planet and we have to experience it so viscerally real, so, you know, seeing it played out with all the emotions and drama where uh, it starts imprinting that into our subconsciousness and imprinting that into the cosmic field and imprinting that into, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole cosmology of the kind of thing you're talking about where, where we create something different than the path we've been on before. And this is vital. I mean, folks, this is our final test. We're either going to find a way to create and empower that vision or, you know, this, this could be it. So this is our, our final test as a human race to, to really come together now. Sorry to just to, you know, just go on and on, but oh, no, I, I just I want to get it. a little, little bit of the vision out there. and We can talk some more. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Arthur, I, I love the words of that song that you were singing, uh, which I had never heard before. And this concept of um, being the light, 
you know, that this is something that spiritual teachers have been talking about for thousands of years. And yet, one of the things I find so interesting is that scientists have been able to measure the light around humans and other living beings. And in fact, um, I've been part of some experiments, various universities, including um, St. Petersburg University, Konstantin Karatka, where you basically get into this healing framework, healing mode, and, and see how it affects our light. And so in some sense, it's this, this, this philosophy, it's this, this, this thing that we can't really put our finger on. And yet, when you, when you're, you see these experiments of us creating more light, you know that it's got to have an effect on the world. So the question becomes, how do we as individuals come together collectively, creating more and more of that light? Right, exactly. That is that is the key question. And, and that's why I'm so happy to be on your show, because you're part of creating that light. And, and so often, it seems like many, many of these teachers have focused on how we raise that light inside. And that's, of course, the first step. But I think it's time to help move the teachers forward to, to visualize it for us all as a planet. I mean, we've got to start teaching and learning and understanding how we create the vision that's going to lift humanity out of this this doom that's going to you know it's going to be like what 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 bucky fuller said he said you never solve a problem uh you, you know by fighting the old model you've got to create a new model and just drag people toward it and einstein said the same thing he said uh you know you can never solve a problem inside the the system that created it you have to step outside of it and that's what excited me about Gary's story. And that is that uh, here we've been like knocking our heads against the wall, begging and pleading our government leaders to make peace, protesting this, protesting that, please fix this, please fix that. And Gary suddenly came to the amazing click realization, Gary Davis, the subject of our movie that, hey, wait a minute, folks. The Declaration of Independence says it is the right of the people to institute new government. Almost every constitution says it's based on the will of the people. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights says that the basis of government shall be the will of the people. And Gary said, well, wait a minute. Why, if these guys are just working for us, why are we trying to fix things inside this broken nation state system? These aren't really real. You look at our planet, there's no, none of these lines drawn, you know, there are natural things, but these lines drawn on the map Somebody got a map, they drew lines, now you are against you, and now you two fight each other, you know, like India and Pakistan. They weren't, you know, there wasn't a line, they just, now you guys fight each other, we drew a line on a map. Do we realize how insane that is to be stuck, you know, we've got this border between Mexico and the U.S., and all these people dying, being put in cages, millions of kids being, all these things for some invisible line, that's something that doesn't even exist, it's something we, we cooked up, it's a crazy system. So when we go back and we say, well, wait a minute, if we the people are the sovereigns, if we create government, Gary said, well, then why don't we, you know, create a government of, by, and for the people of the world? Now, have you seen our film, The World Is My Country? Oh, absolutely, yes. And it's and it's very inspiring. And it and as I was saying earlier, um, before you you came on, it's something that I had never heard about. It's it's history that I missed because of the time that I was born, but it was not history that was taught to me in school. It wasn't in anything that I'd read before. So I was fascinated by this amazing story. And I also love how much coverage he got with mm -hmm. the news and the newsreels of, of what he was doing. And, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about Gary's story? Yeah. Okay. So, so here Gary is, I mean, he, he, he's, he's, uh, you know, this young guy on his way to a Broadway career. His father's this big musician playing for 11 different presidents, the Meyer Davis Band, and his whole family, they're, uh, uh, they're involved in the showbiz with uh, showbiz greats coming to their home and so on. And, you know, his, his big dream is to make people laugh. And he gets, in, he gets into a big Broadway show uh, with uh, Danny Kaye and, and with Cole Porter doing the music, a film called Let's Face It. And, and, uh, uh, the producer says to him, you know, well, nobody can do Danny when Gary asked to be the understudy. And he said, well, just through the rehearsals, you know, the other actors need someone to throw their lines out with. So he gets this job. And two years later, Danny gets laryngitis. 
And Gary says, I can do it. Well, they've either got to refund all the tickets or let him go try. So they let him go on stage and he wows them. The audience can't believe it. This young kid, you know, he got in the chorus when he was 20, 22 years old. He's doing Danny's rapid double fire numbers. He's And you know, he gets 13 curtain calls. He's on his way to a Broadway career. You know, he gets offers of another show, CBS uh, early television, just getting started. They were offering him, you know, to come on a show there at the beginnings of television and and then, boom, World War II comes along. And he finds himself in a bomber plane being ordered to bomb the city of Brandenburg. And his own brother has just gotten killed and his heart is broken. I mean, my God, why weren't the people who, who killed my brother, why weren't they arrested? You know, this is crazy. And, yeah, then and his brother was killed in war. His brother was killed in, in World Absolutely, War Absolutely, in the war. Yeah. And why wasn't, wasn't I arrested for bombing these people in their homes and schools and factories just because they're on the wrong side of some invisible line? I can't even see it from my airplane. And suddenly I'm supposed to just blow all these people up. This is this something crazy. And he gets back from the war. And you know his friends are all partying again. And he's, he's pretty de- he always very depressed. They said, Gary's not funny anymore. And, he, and then he sees the footage of Hiroshima. And he says... What if I'm recalled to bomb Moscow now? I'm still in the active reserves. I mean, this would be the end end of life on Earth. This is crazy. I've got to do something. But what can I do? I'm just an actor. So what he ends up doing, and you'll have to see the movie to catch this, go to theworldismycountry.com. But he goes to Paris, where the, the UN had its early meetings before it was built on the East River. And as an actor... He pulls off this grand act of political theater. He leaps up in the middle of the session of the UN, the United Nations session, and he says, the nations you represent divide us and lead us to the brink of total war. He said, what we need is one government for one world. And if you won't do it, step aside and a people's world assembly will arise from our ranks to do it. He said, it's we the people you know, who've got to do that. So, uh, so actually, you'll see, as you see in the film, delegates actually applaud him. But, of course, he's hauled off. And this ignites war-weary Europe. People are so um, excited by because you know they're still in the ruins of the war. And here's somebody uh, who's got a, a clue of what we can do. And uh, it turned out uh, 20,000 people rally with him at the velodrome. This is like the Madison Square Garden of Paris. It's just huge, huge stadium where they have the big bicycle races and so on. And, 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 and this is before the internet. I mean, that's, yes. this, is, this is when getting the word out took, you know, people on foot to go post signs on street corners, you know? Well, what they did, you know, they, they announced the meeting at this huge velodrome one week away. They rented the hall one week away. And by this time, by the way, all the top French intellectuals had joined him, uh, Albert Camus, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Simon de Beauvoir, and all these famous uh, people had joined him. So that was causing bring publicity to it. But meanwhile, uh, what they were doing, and you see in the film, you know, they went out to the street corner at Place Trocadero. They were throwing flyers in the air. They were releasing balloons. And anyway, with no internet, uh, they get 20,000 people rallying there at the velodrome in one week's notice. I mean, you know, it's pretty phenomenal when you think about it. Uh, so anyway, you see this right in the film. I mean, there's incredible historic footage of every step in his journey. Well, 20,000 people are demanding the UN, this new United Nations has just been created. Eleanor Roosevelt has proposed this universal declaration of human rights. Uh, The Soviets are saying, yet this is an intolerable intrusion on our our national security, on on our internal affairs. You know, you're telling us how we should we should do things internally. And then you're ignoring your own own crimes with the, 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 you know, the the segregation of the South, whatever, you know, they're throwing back barbs back and forth. And um, so... uh, uh, he ends up uh, sparking this incredible movement of people around the world, not just there in Paris, but supporting rallies in Germany and other places. And the very this is December 9th, 1948. The very next day, December 10th, the Soviets step aside, abstain, and let the Universal Declaration of Human Rights get passed unanimously. This is a fundamental document of, 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 of world law. And as Gary says in the film, we'll never know why, but on December 9th, we took over. We, the people, demanded that we, we demand our rights. Well, this actually had a big impact. In our film, uh, Barbara Mueller, whose husband was part of the key part of the UN, said that Gary inspired 
you know, the leaders of the European Union. And we saw how inside Europe, after they had these two terrible wars in countries that had killed each other's families and back and forth and horrible, horrible things, they actually created a union. And once they did, in the 75 years since that, whatever problems it might have, that, that union was created, uh, there's not been a single war by one of the member nations against another. There's been civil wars, as Gary says in the film, you know, you might have two sovereignties, two people, two governments claiming the same territory. But if everyone accepts one governing system, then we have a way to take our disputes to court. We have a way to use world law instead of battling it out on the battlefield. And mm -hmm. so that did, that did have an impact there. It had an impact on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And as you said, it's an incredible story for a time for us today, because as Martin Sheen says in the intro, it really is a roadmap to a better future. Once we start thinking of ourselves as world citizens, the seemingly intractable problems that are totally unsolvable suddenly become eminently solvable, and we can see our way into that ocean of life. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because um, you know the 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 film is so inspirational, and I love the fact that there are all these people who signed up as world citizens. Like it, it pe people probably today, people want peace. People want some sense of unity people want the freedom to to travel from one country to another um and yet there's a part of me let me play devil's advocate here this this concept of one government both inspires me and it also scares me because of course. I, I i see that it's a double-edged sword uh, you, you can um just looking within the United States and looking at the corruption, the, the money that is behind the politics and looking at what some of the, the high level people have come together from around the world to make plans for humanity. It's like, how do we create such a world where we have one government where there's a law that, you know, war is not allowed and not have it corrupt, not have it controlling the people, but rather allowing the sovereignty of the people to live their lives. Now, that is the, is the key question that, that Gary dealt with for, for decades of his life. And that is that he says right in the film, he says, does world, does world government scare you? Well, it does me if it's the same old forces of power and money controlling our lives from behind closed doors. He says, but what if we run it? What if we find out how to interactively do that? And that's the, really the key. Look at it. We have no say at the global level. You can't elect, you can't, you, you have no, no way to choose any officials. You have no way to do anything at the global level. It's all these nation states behind closed doors and they make these treaties, these trade treaties that can actually punish governments for uh, doing environmental, taking environmental moves because they cut into the profit of these companies. In other words, see what's happened folks is back in Thomas Jefferson's day, Corporations were created under the people. They were given like a 20-year charter to build a railroad or do some particular public good. But because we, the people, are locked in these boxes called nation states, and they were free to operate globally, they began to say, "Well, if you, you know, if you cut off our charter, if you, if you, if you tax us, we'll we'll move abroad. If you, if you try to clean up our pollution, we'll move abroad." So suddenly, they moved up above the people, and they got all the power, buddy. And they hire the best politicians money can buy. And we, the people, are left with a, 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 a fragment, a shell, uh, an illusion of democracy. But we don't have democracy. We don't get to choose it. And what happens is you have, like, for instance, I don't. nobody in the U.S. said we want a whole new generation of nuclear weapons and we want a multi-billion dollar campaign to build new nukes. That didn't happen. Not a single person voted for that, thought of that. But these corporations thought that'd be great for their budget and now they're whipping up a new cold war with china and russia because that keeps the weapons flowing and you know folks this is this is they're playing with the extinction of humanity which means them too but they're stuck they're, you know they don't necessarily believe in this they're stuck in a broken system too that you know well uh, we do it because we can do it you know <laughs> well we can get away with manipulating congress and getting this bill through and getting all this money well may not be good for the planet but the hell with it we've got to you know we have to in fact it's the law it's the bottom line our, we have to serve our stockholders now they're even claiming like corporations have rights as people i mean it's just the most insane thing in the world that we've created this monster in our midst that we can't even control so 
what we have to do is step back, folks, and switch back to that ocean of light and do that thing where we realize that we, the people, are, we are the powerful, powerful, we're the powerful sources of this shift in the world. We are the sovereigns. We're the ones who have to create this better world. And we can't, um, we can't do it by fighting that old system. We, we can't do it by begging and pleading or lobbying Congress or doing that. We just have to invent, you know, Gary Schosner, he says a new thing. We'll just, we'll just have this like smart gov app where what we'll do is we'll have, just like we're having these Zoom meetings. Uh, you want me to go into a little bit more about his synergistic sure. idea? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, his idea was before the internet, even he hired this Bucky Fuller uh, disciple uh, who, uh, help to develop this synergistic system of governance. And if you take, this is how it works, basically. If you take, uh, you, you know all, you know that geodesic sphere, you've seen that geodesic dome that uh, Bucky Fuller yeah. created, and you have a sphere of, 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 of that same kind of triangular thing. Well, if you take the old organization chart, here you had the president on top or the king on top, and then you have everybody else underneath. If you change that into this geodesic sphere, and say you start with a company. Okay, here we have a company. Well, yes, the president, you're, you're in outer space, so all waves are up, whichever way you rotate it. So if the president of the company, yes, he's on top when it comes to administration, coordinating everything, getting it working. But the janitor is on top of the world when it comes to keeping the bathrooms clean. If the bathrooms are all overflowing and they're stinking like crazy, the whole office shuts down. Nobody can do business unless he does that. So he's on top of the world. But he can't do that unless he's getting toilet paper and supplies from supply. Well, they can't do that unless payroll's working. In other words, every single part of this thing is on top of the world. And everybody has a say. And if you take this new system, this system of, of organization, and you take these Zoom meetings, and say you had, uh, say we're having this Zoom meeting, but it's crossing political boundaries. You know, if you take like uh, Trump supporters and, 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 and their opponents, or you take Arabs and Israelis or any other thing, and you start bringing people together. Well, you, there's so many films, programs that have been done, things from revolutionary conversations and creative, oh, there's a million different ways of integrative, bringing together people from opposite sides in ways where you don't say, okay, who's right, who's wrong, but you say, okay, what is it, what is it, what's your basic story? What is it you really want in life? You hear each other, you, 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 you get a vision, and you start finding that all of, over the world, people want a better life for their children, they want, they, they want to feel safe and secure, they want to feel like they're making a difference, they want to feel like they have some impact in the world. You know, people have common, they, they want to feel they're part of a group, they want to feel that they're uh, that they're contributing something, you know, and you start getting to these basic concepts and you start coming together and you ask the question, not, uh, you know, uh, who's right or who's wrong about this, but what's the vision of what we want as you were talking about? What's, what's, the, so, well, we all want clean air. Uh, do, does, is there anybody here who wants a lot of smoke in the air and to be suffering and coughing on it? Oh, nobody, nobody, you sure? Nobody wants that. No, we all want clean air. Well, but we want prosperity at the same time. Well, so, so we want to be able to, to have these goods and stuff that, that create that. Well, what if we can create these goods in some other way where, what if, what if they have a whole system life cycle to them? So we don't have to throw them all in the dump. Do we want to throw stuff in the dump or, or do we, do we just want to be able to have improved things? So in other words, if you start getting to what we really want, uh, you start finding there's, there's ways we can all come together, folks. We can create uh, the vision of what we want. We can do what we want. I mean, right now, uh, you know, the vast majority of nations on the earth have passed this ban on nuclear weapons. Uh, it, it's actually international law now. The only people who've held out are, are like five or seven states that have nuclear weapons. And that's because the lobbies for the nuclear industries are so powerful in their nation. Those nations didn't vote either that they wanted one of these nukes. It's only these lobbies in those seven countries that have held up against this treaty. So, you know, once you ask people, what is it you really want? Like in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, there is people all, all the world, unanimously, all the nations wanted that. They wanted human rights for people. First, you know, there were some some divisions. Like I said, the Soviets had to abstain at that point. But even they contributed a lot to it because they wanted economic rights. Said, well, he said, you're talking about uh, human rights, but you're ignoring economic rights. So they got that part into the Universal Declaration. So, you know, it's a dynamic process where uh, if we, the people, step back and create 
laws, not laws that are enforced by guns and bombs, but enforced by our people power. You know, you have this SmartGov app in your phone. You know, you walk into the store, you scan product. Oh, beep, beep. This is a world law violator. Oop, beep, beep. This this company is uh, providing uh, the raw materials to Union Carbide that's making nuclear weapons. And they've been ordered to cease and desist by the pe people's court. So uh, that they're illegal. We're not going to buy their product. Or you go to apply on your computer, you get onto a job website. Oh, yeah, you you subscribe to the World Citizen app and it pops up on your computer, beep, beep, you know, world law violator, I'm not going to apply for a job there. And, you know, and then and then we start, uh, you know, shippers will stop, stop shipping stuff that's violating international law and, and, and unions refuse to offload the boats. And, you know, in other words, we all these things that are being done in the world that are threatening us are being done with our tax dollars is being done with our accent. And, and if we we divest, you know, we go to our pension funds and everything and we say, well, we, we're not going to keep our money in, in this pension fund if it's going to be investing in general in, in, in general dynamics and these companies making nuclear weapons and threatening the life of humanity and are violating international law. So pretty soon, these same companies <laughs> that have been violating the law are going to start putting out ad campaigns. Oh, we're all for world law. We're making a better world for people. We do eco ecological products. I mean, they're going to go where we the people go. We the people have to take step up to the plate and take back our power as citizens of this world. And if we leave it in the hands of, of, of uh, you know, of the financial interests that are stuck in this old mode, we're out of luck. But if we break out of that nation state thinking and see of ourselves as not the governed, but the governors are a small planet, then we the people do have the power to change our world and to build, build a better future for all of us. Mm. You and know, I think that's the message I got, got from working for years with Gary over a quarter of a century. <laughs> and, and it's a very inspirational and powerful message. And the, the thing that comes up for me, though, is, um, you know, over the last year, I've seen such censorship, um, you know, relating to the pandemic. And there's one narrative that is pushed. And, and when you look at, you know, who basically owns the media and the the companies that are supporting the media, um, it affects the narrative. So how do we do this in a way that keeps the truth evident for those of us as, or as citizens of the world um, without it getting polluted by corporate interests or you know, the powers that be that like to see the divisiveness, that like to see the war because there's money in it, um, how, how do we find our way to that truth and keep it clean? Well, that's a big challenge, and we, the humans, have to come together and do it. And, you know, I think, I think uh, uh, a key part of that is that we have to just be aware and alert of what, of what you're saying. And we have to uh, engage in dialogue and conversation. I mean, just like the kind of conversation we're having and the world is starting to have as we learn that we can, you know, use this powerful media where, uh, we can now reach across the borders that, that divide us and get people from opposite sides talking to each other. We can sometimes crack beyond the, like there was a campaign in Israel at one point when Israel and Iran were about to go to war one of these other times, these people in Israel started this, I love, we love Iran campaign. It started going viral and made it very hard for them to start the bombing at that point when they had uh, that that counter force. Now, of course, the other forces come back. And they, 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 a lot of a lot of money is being made. Uh, there's a very interesting article about all the incredible amount of money being made on the bombs that went into bombing Gaza and the corporations. I think it's in the either the Post or the New York Post, New York Times or the Washington Post. There's a big article about those companies that I think it's the Times. Uh, those companies that are profiting from that uh, bombing going on there. Uh, but there, even those people who are doing it, you know, if you if you can get to their kids and their grandkids and get them talking to their <laughs> brothers, you know, do we really want to be making our money this way? Or, and and at some point, you don't have to even necessarily convince them. You just have to withdraw, just make it no longer profitable. It's no longer profitable profitable to be making instruments that are going to end life on the earth. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. most, you know. <laughs> The definition of insanity is when you keep doing something that hasn't worked and you do it over and over again and you think it's going to work. Since World War II, the United States 
has fought in numerous wars, Afghanistan, Iran, Vietnam. We haven't won a single one of them. We haven't, here we are the most powerful nation on earth, the US most powerful nation on the earth, more weapons and, and, and money going to military than, 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 half, than the other half of the world combined. Uh, bases, military bases all over the world. And we're scared, we're scared to death. We're no safer, we can't win wars. It doesn't work, folks. Wars don't work. Every time you fight a war, you make more enemies, you make more people hate you. The only thing that you do is you help create a, a self-generating business. You're sure there's going to be plenty more business for the gun manufacturers because people are going to hate you. They're all going to get the weapons. They're going to want to acquire them. It, it's a, it, it, it may be a, an effective business model if you, if, if you don't have to live on the planet after you've created it. Uh, but it's definitely not going to... Uh, uh, even though it may be a growth industry, <laughs> sadly, it's not sustainable and it's going to be the end of end of all of us. So we have to be able to step out and break out of that uh, of that. And I think the only way to do it is starting with what you're doing, talking to people, learning how to visualize it, learning how to center and learning how to shift our thinking to creating that vision of the world we want. Yeah. And one of the things that comes up for me is that. Um, you know, for a long time, I bought into some of these concepts of um, us versus them, you know, and less so with our country versus other countries. I've, I've, I've traveled to various other countries in the world, and I feel a, a deep connection to some of the other cultures. And when you when you get into other countries and you realize, even though the culture is very different, people are people, you know, right. and um, so... But the, the, the things that divide us and are actually encouraged in some ways in social media, the, you know, the difference in political perspective, the difference in medical perspective, the difference in, um, you know, skin color. And, you know, it, it's like it's mind boggling and it's gotten to be really ugly. And I and I keep asking myself, so who benefits from this, this divisiveness? It certainly doesn't benefit the individuals who are engaging in it, right? It certainly doesn't benefit um, us as people. Who's benefiting from the divisiveness? Well, you know, it's very interesting because some of the same people who have funded divisiveness uh, and one group hating another group have funded it across in, in the different cultures where it's a different group hating a different group, you know? <laughs> and, and you go back and you start realizing, uh, you know, the whole thing that was happening with, uh, well, uh, Cambridge uh, analytics and so on, where they were like manipulating various governments in, in favor of uh, bringing down uh, governments that were democratic and representing what the people wanted and trying to make things better for their lives of people and, and bringing in uh, uh, economic interests that were more amenable to the, to the corporations. I mean, if you look at it uh, throughout Latin America, uh, why do we have so many refugees trying to get here? Because we've destabilized and undermined democratic governments that are making things better for their people that are turning it around and, and we've done it in the name of democracy which is so ironic because we've been overthrowing democratically elected presidents from you know i remember salvador allende and and what an incredibly positive thing he was doing and he was actually working with 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 the bucky fuller disciples too to create a more interactive uh way that people could be involved in governance and doing just great things and then uh you know it t didn't like that he was uh confiscating uh, their land or other places. It wasn't theirs, really. I mean, like, for instance, they've taken, uh, you know, countries that have taken land that's not even being used by United Fruit or somebody else on the fallow land and said, okay, farmers can farm there. And then they get overthrown for that. You know, they've, they've uh, somehow uh, the government of the U.S. has sadly found itself henchmen to forced companies. They were, there's an incredible documentary about how with the AIDS epidemic in Africa, uh, and people badly needed these medicines and India and other places were going to make it for them free. And then the U.S. played a role to try to intervene to say we have to enforce the copyrights of our corporations. You know, what business is it for the U.S. government to be doing that? People of the world don't want to enforce that copyright and keep people from having vital aid medicine. That's not who we are. That's not what, who America is. We, we've been, uh, America has been kind of a, uh, but it's captured. It's not just America. It happens in there, all these countries, in Russia and in China. You know, it's this broken nation state system that is a race to the bottom. And the whole way we've created like win-lose democracy, that was a great advance 
back in 1776, you know, when you could send a uh, send someone by horse and buggy to a distant city to do your governing. Now, as Gary says in the movie, we can all meet in the same room, the global room, and we don't have to be trying to just reenact the old ideas of what uh, democracy is. Everywhere else in our society, we invented new things. He says, let's use this incredible genius of humanity to invent a whole new way we we govern, a whole new way we create laws that are bringing to the top the highest and best wisdom of each individual and amalgamating that into the wisdom of the whole, the, the sovereignty of the whole, and 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 not not a system. Uh, you, <laughs> I remember one film uh, of many where uh, Arab and Israeli students uh, at NYU were at loggerheads. Of, we're right, you're right, we're right, you're right. And then Katrina happened, and they all got on a bus to go help at Katrina. They started saying, "Well, hey, you're okay. I wish all Jews were like you. I wish all all, all uh, Arabs were like you." You know, and and, and there's a, there's another wonderful movie called "Free Trip to Egypt." This fellow goes to Trump rallies and he holds up signs saying "Free Trip to Egypt," and he got some takers and he took them over there. And of course, the same thing happened. They live with Muslim families and they wish all Muslims were as wonderful as you are. They become like family. You you know that you've traveled countries. Uh, it happened to me when I was in I was in high school when I went to the Soviet Union here in the height of the Cold War 1964 and we're getting ready to you know blow up the world to fight this evil empire and I go over there and everybody wants to know where can I get uh, blue jeans like those and where can I get some Beatles records and music and I said hey we're going to blow up the world to fight these people and all they want is our music and blue jeans I mean, you know <laughs> yeah no, I know I know it's, it, it puts into perspective doesn't it you know, Arthur, um, we're running out of time here. Um, again, how do people get access to watching this wonderful movie? Yeah, so go to theworldismycountry.com. Uh, don't forget the the, the V, uh, theworldismycountry.com. And there you'll see where you can click on. It's on public television stations coast to coast. You'll see it's uh, also a pay-per-view right there. Uh, you'll see Martin Sheen promoting it on Extra TV, and he's coming up on the on MSNBC, a promotion on it on the 14th. Uh, it's going to be at World Unity Week. Many of you can join us on June 24th and watch it free on World Unity Week. And that'll be on a page when you click on the, the worldismycountry.com. You'll see how you can watch it there. So, uh, yeah, you can either watch it free or, or, or please pay for it a little bit because we can use the money. We, we did this all out of a, uh, all on a uh, you know, by the, by the seat of our pants. We didn't have any corporate or other funding and we need a need you to so if you can just go ahead and rent it online there and watch it that'd be great too or wait for the free showing on the 24th and join the world unity week uh yes please do watch the movie please fill out the survey at the end and let us know what you think of it we really want to know and uh, when you do that you'll get to hear more about our regular people powered planet podcast where we right. bring in wonderful guests who are uh, uh talking about how do we create that positive alternative vision how do we create that idea of how a world the world should work and could work uh, you know instead thank, of thank more... you we've, we've run out of time arthur it's been a joy talking to you <laughs> and you. I, I i love the movie thanks so much for tuning in today if you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights upcoming events and private sessions